The Elgin Watch Company presents its third annual two-hour Christmas party for the men and women of our armed forces. Two hours of entertainment heard from coast to coast. And in cooperation with the Armed Forces Radio Service, shortwave around the world to battle stations ashore and afloat. In the next two hours, Elgin brings you Jenny Sims, Bob Hope, George Burns and Gracie Allen, Bing Crosby, Carmen Miranda, Jack Benny, Vera Vague, the Army Air Force's Swing Wing, the Charioteers, the distinguished concert violinist Joseph Segetti, Rochester, Les Paul and his trio, an orchestra and chorus under the direction of Louis Silvers, and your host for the full two hours, Don Amici. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Greetings and compliments of the season to all of you this 1,944th Christmas Day. To you men and women of the Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, and Red Cross. To you men of the Merchant Marine, you women of the Nurses' Corps. To everyone whose courage and fortitude has made it possible to bring the battle closer to the enemy, our thanks. Many of you today are far from your home and those you love. Wherever you are, may the spirit of Christmas cheer you with the faith and hope that shone from the star of Bethlehem. To all of you, then, every one of the artists just mentioned by Ken Carpenter, join me and the Elgin Watch Company in saying to you, men and women in uniform, to you mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, wives, and sweethearts, and to all of you who tend the forges of war, may the next two hours bring you some measure of the leisure of the song that should be a part of this day. With this hope, we bring you the lovely Ginny Sims singing Vincent Human's Hallelujah! Hey! 
that was lovely, Jimmy, lovely. Well, thank you, Doc. Ladies and gentlemen, for an extra special musical treat, Miss Sims will be accompanied in her next song by America's foremost virtuoso of the violin, Jack Benny. Wait a minute, Don. I meant to tell you about that. Well, uh, what's the matter, Jimmy? What's wrong? Well, Jack Benny isn't here, and I, I don't think he's coming. Why? What happened? Well, it's a long story. You see, well, when I found out that Jack was going to accompany me on his violin, I thought it was a good idea if we got together and rehearsed a little. Yeah. So I picked up the phone and dialed his number. Crestview 63812. <laughs> Mr. Benny's residence, star, stage, screen, radio, and delivers the examiner in the Beverly Hills area. <laughs> Who? Oh, hello, Miss Sims. No, Mr. Benny isn't here. sweep the floor before the boss gets home? No, I don't really need it. Oh, well, I might as well do it anyway. <laughs> there, that does. Now, let's see. What else can I... Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Hello, Rochester. Come on in the living room. I want to talk to you. This is the living room. You just don't recognize it. <laughs> oh, 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 yes. Well, what do you know? We've got a rug in here. Say, Rochester, were there any calls for me? Just one, Miss Jenny Sims. Miss Sims? Uh, yeah, she said she's coming over here to rehearse that number you're supposed to do on the Elgin show. Oh, well, why didn't you tell me? I better get my violin and limber up. Now, Rochester, you finish straightening up the house and get the rest of these things out of the living room. My shirt, my shoes, my socks, my garter belt. I mean my garter and my belt. And uh, my bathrobe. Pick them up and get them out of this room. Don't you want me to get your violin? Yes, but I want you to get all my things out of this room. I won't have to. You start playing and they'll be glad to leave by themselves. <laughs> no, stop exaggerating. Exaggerating? Boss, the last time you played the violin, your tuxedo came out of the closet, tiptoed down the hall, went out the front door, and we haven't seen it since. Rochester, will you stop being ridiculous? How could my tuxedo tiptoe down the hall and go out the front door? That ain't the mystery. The thing that bothers me is, how did it leave that note on the hanger? What note? The one that says, I can go if I want to, I ain't paid for it. <laughs> Rochester, stop being so silly and bring me my violin. Here you are, boss. Here you are. Thanks. Better practice first before she gets here.
Rochester, maybe it would help if you sang Miss Sims' part while I play. I'll try to, boss. Okay, let's go. You'll never know just how much I miss you. You'll never know just how much I care. Did Miss Sims just come in? No, your brown suit just went out. Rochester, stop kidding and let's get on with the show. That must be Miss Sims now. I'll get it. Hello, Jack. Hello, Jenny. Come on in. My, Jenny, you look wonderful. Every time I see you, you're prettier. Well, thank you, Jenny. You look good, too. How do you keep so young? Me young? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, Jenny, you're just being nice. I'm 36 and I feel every year of it. Are you really 36? Well, I say I am, but I I really won't be until February. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad you dropped over. Oh, so am I. You know, Jack, this is a lovely house. You have one of the most beautiful homes in Southern California. Well, thanks, thanks. You know, Jenny, in three more years, I'll own it. Your home? What? Your home? No, Southern California. <laughs> Hello, Miss Sims. Well, Jenny, I understand you came over to rehearse for our Elgin show. Yes, I, I was told you were going to play the violin while I sang. And, well, frankly, Jack, I'm worried about it. Worried? What's the matter, Jenny? Is your throat bothering you? <laughs> I hope not. Well, no, Jack, that isn't what I meant. Uh, well, I hate to be this blunt about it, but I'm worried about your violin. Worried about my violin? Yeah. <laughs> Silly girl. I mean, you don't have to worry about it. It's a genuine Stradivarius. I paid $18 for it. <laughs> I got it on 3rd and Main, you know. Of course, when I got it, it, was, it had some spots and dirt on it, but that soil off is wonderful for it. But, Jack, I, I still didn't mean that. You see, I'm worried about the way you play the violin. You... You mean I'm a lousy violinist? <laughs> That's what the lady said! Rochester, we don't need your help, do we, Jenny? Not now. Well, Jack... Of course not, huh? Jack... What? The thing that worries me is that, well, I've never sung before accompanied by just a violinist. But, Jenny, I'm not... It's not just a violinist, it's Benny. You know, I played the violin for Carol Landis in the South Pacific, and it went over great. By the way, the soldiers whistled and applauded when we came out on the stage. You'd think they'd never seen a violin before. Well, now, maybe Carol had something to do with all that whistling and applauding. What was she wearing? Well, that's the surprising thing about it. Carol wasn't even dressed up. She wore a sweater. Anyway, Jenny, let's rehearse our, our number and see how it works out. Okay. Oh, Rochester, while we're rehearsing, fix some sandwiches for us, will you? Yes, sir. Do you want them on plain bread or raisin bread? Plain bread. Work, work, work. Now i got to pick out the raisins. <laughs> Uh, all right, Jenny, uh, let's get started, will you? Uh, Jenny, uh, uh, wait a minute, I want to get A. Could I have A? You, uh, give me A on the piano. I'll have to get that piano tuned up. 
Uh, Jenny, uh, you can accompany yourself on the piano while you sing, can't you? Oh, sure, sure. Oh, fine. Let's go now. You never once again. Huh? But, Jack, really, I don't think it's going to work out. Really, I don't. What do you mean, Jenny? Well, I don't know. It's, you see, it's almost time for the broadcast, and we can't rehearse anymore. Well, don't worry about it. We'll be terrific. We'll be a sensation. Well, maybe you're right, Jack. Everything happens for the best. Certainly, Jenny. I'll be with you in a minute. I'm going to run upstairs, put my violin in the case, and I'll be right down. Yada-da-dum, da-dum, dee-dum, bum, dee Darn it, I broke my vile vile. You were right, Miss Sims. Everything happens for the best. I hope you've all got on your best bib and tucker because right now we're going to pinch hit for a fellow who's being kept pretty busy over near Sarbrooken. Let's look in on his family and see how things are going this Christmas day. Well, we're in luck. Here's the whole family gathered around the Christmas tree in the living room. Little Judy, she's four now, is putting her new baby doll to sleep. Granddad is trying out his new briar pipe, and Mother, well, gee, fella, you didn't tell us your wife is so pretty and sweet. Well, she's sitting on the sofa, looking just the way you like to remember her. A blue dress with her hair all soft and curly around her face, and and she's going to finish reading aloud your Christmas letter if Bobby will just let up on that new Christmas drum you wanted him to have. Oh, Bobby, 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 please. Don't you want to hear what Daddy says? Bobby, Bobby, you could beat that drum all day tomorrow. Here, come here. Climb up on Grandpa's lap. Here, that's a boy. Go on, Martha. Oh, let's see, where was I? Oh, yes. Well, Daddy says, I hope you understand, dear, that memories are just about all we fellows have. And if they're happy memories, we get a kick out of reliving them. Well, I still chuckle when I remember how Judy's eyes fairly popped when she saw her jack-in-the-box last Christmas. And if I remember rightly, dearest, dearest, your eyes did a bit of popping, too, when I gave you your new Elgin watch. I can even remember what you said. Oh, John. Oh, you shouldn't have. But I'm awfully glad you did. And I'm awfully glad I gave you an Elgin watch last Christmas, too, dear. And every time you look at it, I hope you think of me and know how much I wanted to give you something equally lovely again this Christmas. 
But I'm afraid all I can send is... is my love. But you have every bit of that. Always. Give my love to Dad. Give Bobby and Judy a big kiss. And may God bless us all till I get home. And we hope that day will be soon for all of our fighting fight. In the meantime, we at Elgin are using our skill and experience to speed that happy day. And this is why there were fewer lovely star-timed Elgin watches available. But one day soon, your jeweler will have more of these fine American-made timepieces. And you'll be glad you waited for an Elgin. And gather there's sure to be a musical organization of some kind, for music is one of the G.I.'s favorite forms of relaxation. Third importance of music to the morale of fighting men, the armed forces have sponsored excellent musical organizations in the various branches of the service. Outstanding among these G.I. musical groups is an outfit known as the Swing Wing of the Army Air Force's radio production unit in Santa Ana, California. Each of the men in the Swing Wing was a star in what is called the hot and groovy department of music. Today, each is also a member of the United States Army Air Forces. The swing wing takes off into the deep blue yonder with a particularly high-flying, really out-of-this-world arrangement of bugle call rag. think that if the bugler would swing out that way on Reveille, he might even get to be popular. Don't you agree, Technical Sergeant Manny Klein? No. 
Well, uh, what do you think the bugler should play to make him popular? A harp. <laughs> Poor boy. Well, there is one popular bugle call. Now listen. What's that? That. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. Well, there's another call. Uh, there is another call that's particularly popular with Air Force. Well, yeah, let me hear it. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you men don't need the bugler's help for that one. But, Fanny, I'm surprised the bugler bothers you anymore. I should think by this time you'd be completely adjusted to Army life. I am. I haven't had any trouble since my first week. Uh, what happened then? I was darn near arrested for impersonating an officer. Well, what did you do? Slept till 10 o'clock. <laughs> since uh, then, I trust things have been more to regulation? Yeah. Now I'm learning how to be a sniper. I didn't know the Air Corps had snipers. Can you get cigarettes? <laughs> you win, Manny, without any ifs, ands, or buts. Now, before you boys... Before you boys wrap up another number, could you tell us where the men in the group come from? Well, we took one from Harry James, one from Benny Goodman, and one from Jimmy Dorsey. I heard you also took one from Spike Jones. Now, we didn't have to take him. He was glad to escape. <laughs> it is with this thought that... Tech Sergeant Klein joins the rest of the boys in a sharp swing-wing treatment of, of all things, gems from the opera Carmen.
Elgin Watch Company's third annual two-hour Christmas party for the men and women of our armed forces will continue after a brief pause for your station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. KQW San Jose, the Columbia station for San Francisco, Oakland, and the Bay Area. Company's third annual Christmas party for our men and women in uniform throughout the world continues with holiday greetings from George Burns and Gracie Allen, Jenny Sims, Bob Hope, Carmen Miranda, Vera Vague, Bing Crosby, the Charioteers, the distinguished concert violinist Joseph Segetti, Les Paul and his trio, an orchestra and chorus under the direction of Louis Silver, Silver host for the entire two hours, Don Amici. To those who have joined us in the past half hour, welcome to Elgin's third annual two-hour Christmas party for the men and women of our armed forces. The women who work and the men who fight for the principles he died to bequeath. The spirit of Christmas is with them at battle stations throughout the world as it is with all of us throughout the United Nations today. We can be certain that faith, hope, hard work, and sacrifice will carry us on to final victory and let us pray, enduring peace. Meanwhile, let's never forget, this war is far from won. There can be no complacency while we still know defeat. We have had success, we will have more, but these successes mean that warm-up would be needed day after tomorrow are needed today. And so we stay on the job to see our fighting men and women through to final, complete, and unconditional victory and the peace to follow. We ask you to think of him whose birth we celebrate as the charioteers bring us the magnificent spiritual, poor little Jesus boy.
No Christmas is quite complete without at least one call on the neighbors. So come with me as Elgin makes it possible for us to meet the people who live in the Burns house. George and Gracie. Being a firm believer in carpooling, I offered to stop by this afternoon to pick up George and Gracie, and it seems I stepped right into the middle of a situation to better understand it. Let's go back several hours. Hurry, Gracie. We have to leave for the Elgin broadcast pretty soon. George, uh, before we go, promise me something. What? Well, um, you're terribly talented, you know. Yeah. And this is Christmas. Yeah. So, uh, promise me you won't do your best today. <laughs> won't do my best with Bob Hope, Donna Michi, Bing Crosby, and Jack Benny then? Well, that's why, dear. I wouldn't want you to make them look bad today. <laughs> oh, Gracie. Well, this is Christmas. You know, goodwill to men. And practically all four of those fellows are men. <laughs> But, honey, be sensible. If I had more talent than Hope, Amici, Crosby, and Benny, I'd be the biggest star in the world. And you will be someday. In fact, people can't understand why you aren't right now. Really? Sure. Why, every time we walk down the street together, I hear someone say, I wonder what's holding him up. <laughs> I see. Oh, you're loaded with talent, George. I'm just afraid you'll go down there today and embarrass those poor men. Oh, honey, you just say that because you're my wife. Uh, what if you were married to Bob Hope? What if you were married to Donna Michi? What if you were married you to... Wait a minute. I, I like to stay married to Donna Michi a little longer. Let's forget this silly notion. Well, it's not a silly notion. Now, let's consider Hope for a minute. Sure, he's funny, but you can tell a joke much funnier than he can. I cannot. Oh, sure you can. Come on, tell a joke. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, please, dear. Well, okay. Here's one I heard at the club. Pretty funny. Two Irishmen met on a street corner, and one Irishman said, How come there are so many twins in your family? <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful, George. <laughs> that's wonderful. Much funnier than Hope. Uh, Gra Gracie. Oh, you just watch. He'll have that on his program next Tuesday. <laughs> that is, if Betty doesn't steal it first. Mm. <laughs> Two Irishmen. You're dynamite. <laughs> I didn't finish the joke. Oh, there's more? Certainly. The second Irish marriage. Yeah, there's so many twins in my family. My parents are from Dublin. Uh, you get it? Uh, twins. Dublin. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good, but I like the first one better. <laughs> yeah, that was a better joke, yeah. Too hard. Yeah, the first one was a scream, yeah. Well, that proves you're better than hope. Now, let's go to Don Amici. Honey, be sensible. Don Amici's a great talent. That's why he's the master of ceremonies this afternoon. Well, if you ask me, it's politics. <laughs> Bob Hope probably got him the job to keep in good with him. You know, he makes a lot of money out of Amici. Hope does? Well, certainly. 
It takes a whole tube of that toothpaste to do Amici's teeth. Well, anyway, you can't compare me with Amici. He's a great actor. Remember that picture we saw him in where he had that big love scene with Gene Tierney? I could never do that. Are you kidding? They don't call you Volcano Lips Burns for nothing. Oh, Gracie. Oh, you're a great lover. Come on, George. Take me in your strong arms and press me to your manly stomach. All right, now, this has gone far enough. I know I'm not as funny as Hope, and I'm not the actor Amici is, so let's stop these ridiculous comparisons. Well, I was just going to say that you sing better than Bing Crosby. Is that ridiculous? It certainly is. I may sing as well, but certainly not. <laughs> well, George, life is funny, isn't it? Now, here, Bing is worried about Frank Sinatra, when all the time it's you he should worry about. You think I'm better than Frankie, too? Sinatra couldn't hold a candle to you if he could lift one. Gee, I'd love to have a program like Bing. Well, believe me. Oh, 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 down in the garden where the red rose are. Well, you could take over his program and no one would ever know the difference. Have you heard it lately? Yes. He's got a new thing now. He doesn't have any applause from the audience. <laughs> He thinks that's new. <laughs> oh, you started out in Boston. Yeah, he stole my stuff. Well, I guess I could take over Bing's program, all right. Well, sure. Well, you even built for it. You have to be built a certain way? Well, if you've seen Bing lately, you know what they mean when they talk about that craft spread. <laughs> true that I might stack up favorably against a singer like Bing Crosby, but not against fellas like Hope, Amici, and Benny. Oh, modest boy. What has Benny got that you haven't got? I happen to know that Jack Benny never got past the sixth grade. Really? Well, sure. And your personality will more than make up for the three grades he has on you. Uh, thanks, kid. Hello, Gracie. Hello, George. Oh, it's Don Amici. Hello, Don. Merry Christmas, Don. Same to the both of you. We were talking about that love scene you did with Gene Turney. Yes, and I told George that he could have done it better. Well, yes, but when he could have done it better, there was no Gene Turney. <laughs> well, anyway, just to satisfy my curiosity, will you make love to me right now? Oh, but, uh... What about George? No, make love to me. <laughs> Look, I, I want to prove to myself that George is better. Now, come on, do that scene you did with Gene Tierney. Well, okay. Oh, my darling. Let me take you in my arms and crush you to me. Oh, Don. <laughs> oh, I'll never let you go. Never, never. <gasps> Mm, how I've longed to kiss those luscious lips. There. Well, Gracie? Hey, Gracie. Huh? Oh, what, George? Do you still think I'm better? Yes. 
Really? Yes. You're better than Hope, Crosby, and Benny. Oh. At one anxious period of the war, the production of jewel bearings was listed among our country's six most critical needs. Our imports of jewels were cut off. And yet jewels are vital in precision instruments without which no plane could fly, no ship navigate. The instruments of a single battleship require no less than 5,000 jewels. While America, calling on the genius of its industry, got out of that awful jam, and the Elgin Watch Company became the largest producer of fine instrument jewels in the nation. And this is only one example of how Elgin and outmakers turn quickly and effectively to production for war. In addition to jewel bearings, famous Elgin craftsmanship is producing many types of service watches, mechanical time fuses for anti-aircraft shells, marine chronometers, aviation clocks, and a vast array of timing devices for our armed forces. It's the reason why your jeweler had so few of the beautiful star-timed Elgin watches to show you this Christmas. Why you saw so many strangely named foreign-made watches trying to take the place of these American-made Elgins. And so it will be till Elgin has completed its war tasks. But then, then there will again be Elgins for all who want a superbly fine watch. And you'll be glad you waited for an Elgin. It may sound a bit strange to some of you G.I.s, but one of the nicest people we know is a sergeant. The lovely and charming Sergeant Ginny Sims. The sergeant opened this Elgin Christmas party, and many of you hear regularly on a Tuesday evening radio show for men in the service. The rating was bestowed on Ginny by the United States Marine Corps, but she's a favorite with men in all branches of the service, perhaps because her sincerity and charm remind them of the girls they've left behind. To all those gals from their fellows overseas, Jenny sings, Wish You Were Waiting For Me.
Today in a fast-moving and fast-changing world in which so much is happening all around us, so much that is strange, incredible, or startling that, try as we may, we find it difficult to keep up with the times. That is why the Elgin Watch Company brings you Freeling Foster's Keep Up With The World on another network. Beginning next Wednesday, this program will be heard at a new time. It will be based, as usual, on amazing, almost unbelievable facts recorded in Mr. Foster's world-famous column in Collier's Magazine. Today we bring you one of these timely, interesting stories. You'll hear Don Amici as Roy Bradshaw. And with Don will be Joel Davis as his son Michael, Ann Stone as his wife, and Tyler McVeigh as the commanding officer. From India to China, over the snow-capped Himalayas, is flown the greatest airline ever built by Milton. Eastward, it carries in supplies to a hard-fighting ally. Westward, it carries out the wounded back to India and safety. Day and night, the planes fly, good weather and bad, over the highest mountains in the world. I know the danger in that perilous route because I faced it. One Christmas Eve, two hours out from our China base... I was flying a cargo of wounded men bound to India. Christmas Eve. It should have been different from other nights. And it was. The snow and sub-zero weather were threatening to seal our doom. Cutting our visibility to zero. Sheeting our wings in a film of ice. Suddenly the ship began to lose altitude. 17,000, 16,000, 15,000. Until we were down to 14,000 feet. The mountains were still ahead of us, invisible and menacing. There was only one pass low enough to get through. A narrow gorge with walls that closed 3,000 feet. The compass was swinging wildly from the bumpy air. 
There was nothing I could see to guide me. There was nothing I could do but hope and pray that a merciful God would help me bring those wounded men to safety. And as so often happens in a crisis, my thoughts flashed back to home to that last Christmas Eve with Ruth and Michael. Well, there you are, Ruth. Now, how's that for a Christmas tree? Complete with decoration. Oh, it's lovely, Roy. The prettiest Christmas tree we've ever had. And if I do say so myself, the skill that has gone into those decorations represents a great and sympathetic knowledge of the art of trimming Christmas trees. <laughs> but, Daddy, you forgot something. Forgot something. Now, Michael, are you sure? Uh-huh. Something mighty important. Mm. Oh, maybe he means that China angel that we had last year. No, it wasn't the China angel. No? Well, then what did I forget? The star, that's what. The star that goes on top. Oh, by Jove, he's right. Well, of course he's right. Roy Bradshaw, I'm surprised at you. Well, I'm <laughs> surprised at myself. Most important thing of all. Oh, here it is. There. Now, 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 how does it look? Oh, it's lovely. Why do they always put a star on top, Daddy? Well, it's a special Christmas star. It represents the star of Bethlehem. What's the star of Bethlehem? Come on over here, son. Now, you sit down here and I'll tell you all about that. That's the boy. Well, about 2,000 years ago, some very wise men lived in a land that was next to a country called Judea. What's Judea? That's where Bethlehem is, dear. The place where Jesus was born. That's right. And this story begins about the time that he was born. You see, these wise men, they were wise enough to know that the world would be a very much better place if some were good and kind, and even wiser than they were, would come and lead them. So, every night they watched the stars. Why'd they watch the stars? Because they felt this person, this new prince of men, would come from heaven. And then, one night, they saw a new star that was brighter than any star ever seen before. And being wise men, they knew this meant the king had come to earth at last, and the star had come to lead them to him. But how could a star lead anybody? Stars don't move. Oh, but this star did. Or maybe it just seemed to. Anyway, they went toward it. And when they came to Bethlehem, right under the star, they found the place where the baby Jesus was. And they knew that everything they had been waiting for and praying for had come to pass. And the star had been their guide. So, you see, that was a pretty important star as stars go. I'll say. Was it real? Uh, how do you mean? Was the star of Bethlehem a real star? Well, sure. Well, then let's go outside and you can show it to me. Oh, well, uh, well, son, it, it isn't there now. It isn't there now? Christmas Eve? Well, no. You uh, mean it's burnt out? Oh, no, dear. It would never burn out. Then why can't I see it? Well, son, you can't always see things, but they're real just the same. And, of course, the star of Bethlehem might have been perhaps a comet or, or let's say... I believe I have a better answer, Roy. Michael, that the star of Bethlehem is more real than any other star there is. But you've got to have faith to see it, just as the wise men had faith. Thank you, darling. Those are the words I was trying to find. You see, Michael, the star of Bethlehem is real, just as real today as it was 2,000 years ago to the people who have faith. To them, it burns as brightly and as high as ever.
that night on the run from China into India, we got through. Through with our wings just barely clearing the narrow gorge. Through with a dozen wounded men we'd brought to India in safety. We said a prayer of thanks as we saw the beacons of the airport and another for good measure as our wheels touched solid ground. I went at once to report to our operations officer and found him waiting for us in the small shack. Well, good work, Bradshaw. I heard you got through. Yes, it was pretty tough in spots, sir. Well, don't I know it. The planes on the eastern run just barely took off and were back again. You must have done a skillful job of navigation. Well, I had some luck. Well, you need more than luck. Yeah, this was more than the average. Close to the pass, the storm broke for a minute, and we saw a star about 35 degrees southeast. I know a little about celestial navigation. I knew that Sirius was due east on our course, so I took a chance that that was it. Sirius? That's right, sir. I veered 35 degrees southeast and cleared the pass with just an inch or so to spare. If I hadn't had that break, we'd be piled up against those mountains now. Are you kidding? No, sir, I'm not kidding. I mean, about Sirius. No, that's the only bright star in that area. Well, that's right. Only from 9 o'clock on, Sirius is below the horizon, out of sight. Out of sight? I'm afraid you were right the first time, Bradshaw. You, you... There's no visible star that would be due east on your course. Star in the east. More real than any other star. If you have faith. If you have faith. Watch Company's third annual two-hour Christmas party for the men and women of our armed forces will continue after a brief pause for your station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. KQW San Jose, the Columbia station for the San Francisco Bay Area. Company's third annual Christmas party for our men and women of the armed forces and short wave to them in hundreds of far corners of the world starts its second full hour. In the next 60 minutes, you'll hear Bob Hope, Carmen Miranda, Bing Crosby, the distinguished concert violinist Joseph Segetti, the charioteers Vera Vague, Les Paul and his trio, an orchestra and chorus under the direction of Louis Silvers, and your host for the full two hours, Don Amici. To those who may have just joined Elgin's third annual two-hour Christmas party party for the men and women of our uniformed forces, to you men and women who are fighting for the right to celebrate our future Christmases in peace, and to all the peoples of the United Nations, each artist Ken Carpenter just mentioned, the Elgin Watch Company and I, extends sincere wishes for the merriest Christmas possible. The good neighbors of our sister Americas to the south are joined with us today as they are each year on this occasion. To them we say... Feliz Navidad, Feliz Natal. We of the Americas can be proud that we have set an example for the world with our good neighbor policy, and one of the reasons for the success of this policy 
is the mutual exchange of gifted artists. Of all the fine artists sent us, none has been better received than the charming, gracious, and lovely Carmen Miranda. To our many friends south of the border and to the men and women serving in the Caribbean theater of operation, Carmen Miranda sings one of the delightful samba rhythms of her native Brazil, Tico Tico. That was wonderful. I love that song. Oh, thank you, Don. I like Tico Tico, too, you know, but I like better the trolley song. Clang, 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 when the trolley... Ding, ding, ding. Why'd you stop? This is where I get off. <laughs> Better wait until you get your transfer. And while you're waiting, uh, Carmen, I must tell you that I think your new 20th Century Fox Pictures picture really has something for everybody. Oh, Don, you are so good to me. You know, I like your pictures very much, too. I go to all of them. Just because I'm in them? No, because I'm in them. <laughs> My fan. But I do. I do like you very, very much, Don. Uh, careful, careful, Carmen. Your boyfriend may not like that. <laughs> My boyfriend do not mind anything, Don. He's a light-hearted, a true South American. <laughs> South American, huh? Are you sure of your English? Yes, but I'm not sure of my boyfriend. <laughs> Is he kind of hard to get along with? Oh, no. He always compliments in my hats, you know. Ah, yes, yes. Those hats covered with bananas, peaches, plums, apricots, and <laughs> apple dumplings. Yes. They always fascinate me, too. Uh, where do you get them? Lily Dachet? The A&P. <laughs> Carmen, have you ever tried growing them yourself? No, but I may. You know, fresh fruit is so hard to get those days. Eh, uh, what isn't? But uh, why do you why do you Brazilian girls wear fruit in your hats? We like to bet. When we say I lose, if if I lose, I eat my hat. <laughs> that way you avoid indigestion, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, why do you wear such blazing colors? Oh, we like to strike a spark. 
who went to attract the attention. <laughs> sort, of, sort of carrying clothes to Newcastle. They see, but they hot stuff, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that must help. Anyway, you're mighty popular, Carmen, with servicemen I've talked to. And, uh, and they are so wonderful to me, Don. I can really appreciate them at the hostels, but I thank for men under the overseas. Well, I bet they all agree that you're a really good neighbor. Did they understand Brazilian songs? Yes, but to show them they are a hep kitten, a solid jitterbug. I sang a jive song, too, Chattanooga Choo Choo. Oh, well, well, that's one of our favorites, too. Well, let's have the boys in the band warm up the engine and we'll all buy fares for a ride with Carmen Miranda on the Chattanooga Choo Choo. Chattanooga Choo Choo pulled into the station, it had Elgin's next guest aboard. The distinguished violinist Joseph Zaghetti, fresh from a concert tour of Canada and the eastern United States. Millions of music lovers know and admire Joseph Zaghetti's artistry through his recordings and appearances on the concert stage and radio. To act dirty, Mr. Zaghetti recently made his first screen appearance in the picture Hollywood Canteen for Warner Brothers. Accompanied by Harry Kaufman at the Baldwin, Joseph Zaghetti plays for us now the brilliant Tartini Variations arranged by Chrysler. Mr. Zaghetti.
That was superb, Joseph Zagetti. I uh, hope I'm not being forward when I ask if it's true that most concert stars have some protege. Yes, that's true. True. You, do you know some undiscovered potential genius of the violin? I do. Oh, and is he talented? Amazing technique. Ah, uh, and young? Very young. And what's his name? Jack Benny. <laughs> Of course, you made your movie debut recently with Jack. That must have been fun. Lots of laughs. At his jokes? At his fiddle playing. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm sure Jack could pick up a few musical pointers by listening well as Joseph Zagetti plays Tchaikovsky's lovely Valtz Sentimental. From fire control goes the order to the gun crews. Enemy aircraft craft approaching, bearing 068. Position angle 48. Altitude 800. Speed 300. Fuse 6.4 seconds. Number one, five inch, 
Manned and ready, sir. The enemy planes draw closer. Sally's, Betty's, jet dive bombers. Comes the order, commence firing. And then around the enemy aircraft forms the picture you've seen in the newsreels. The deadly mushroom pattern of exploding ACAC. How can our gunners hit targets that streak through the skies at 300 miles an hour? The answer is the gunner's skill plus precision equipment. American skill born of long and careful training. And an ingenious mechanical fuse, also American, which can be quickly adjusted to time the burst of an ACAC shell to within mere hundredths of a second. This fuse, more accurate than any previously known, owes its improved performance to three scientists at his company. For their work, they've been awarded the highest citation for individual war production merit given by our government. And the same devotion to excellence marks Elgin's manufacture of all the other war essential precision instruments and timing devices now coming from the world's largest fine watch factory. So you can understand why Elgin has been unable to replenish jeweler stocks of its fine American-made watches. But after victory, your jeweler will proudly display Elgin watches for everyone. New watches so beautifully styled and dependably accurate, you'll be glad you waited for an Elgin. Composers, like poets, frequently base their works on description of the things they see and hear in the world about them. Mr. Les Paul, a young composer and former G.I., finds it difficult to resist the urge to write music of the music of the... While he was in the Army, he was so impressed with the constant building up and tearing down done by the engineers that he wrote a composition describing their activity. Les Paul and his fine trio with Les at the electric guitar play it for us. Danger, man at work. Thank you. 
Les Paul. Nice work. Elgin's next guest is a lovely young lady known far and wide for her, for her engaging charm and air of rare refinement. Her delicacy and distinction of manner have made her one of the most sought-after women of her generation. She's an authority on many subjects. Brilliant conversationalist. You've doubtless heard her soft, mellifluous voice many times on Bob Hope's Twilight Study Hour. That vivacious, volatile, vibrant little lady, Miss Vera Bay. I suspected, Miss Vega, it was something more romantic than just the Christmas holiday that brought that sparkle to your eyes. Oh, you're so right, Mr. Lee. <laughs> Only this morning, my boyfriend Waldo told me that possibly I'll be the next cover girl of the country. Oh, really? Yes. I suppose you've heard of Chili Williams. Oh, yes, of course. Meet Beans Vague. <laughs> Miss Vague, how did you meet your boyfriend, Waldo? Uh, Waldo? Uh, well, I, I didn't exactly meet him. I overtook him. <laughs> uh, he's such a sweet boy, really. This morning, there he was waiting for me with the mantle when I came downstairs. Look, there he called your Christmas stockings are all filled with walnuts. Made me so mad. Well, but why? Oh, I was wearing them at the time. I hope he gave you a nice Christmas present to make up for that remark. Oh, yes, yes, he did, really. He gave me a beautiful present, something that he invented himself. It's a remarkable thing. An umbrella with a window in it. That's, uh, uh, but uh, what, what's it for? Well, it's a great help. You see, you can look out the window and see who you're poking in the eye. <laughs> Well, Miss Vague, I, I must say you're looking awfully well these days. Oh, I, thank I, I you. just just love that gown. Oh, do you like it? Oh, look? yes. Please. It's nice of you to say that because I'm such a naughty girl around Christmas time. I just gorge myself with goodies. <laughs> Consequently, my figure gets unpredictable. <laughs> you know, all my dresses get that LSNFT look. Uh, just what is that? So round, so firm, so fully packed. <laughs> As you know, Miss Vague, it's our hope that you'll be kind enough to give us your ideas on Christmas and Christmas customs from the various women's angles. Oh, yes, that's right. That's what I was going to do. Yes, well, I'd be happy to. All right. Uh, but any, any comments on your side, I think, should begin with a word about Santa Claus. That jolly old man who rides in a sleigh drawn by a number of deer named Dunder, Blitzen, Dancer, Prancer, Dasher, and Van Johnson. <laughs> Pardon me, Miss Vague, but Van Johnson is not a deer. Uh, that's a man's viewpoint for you. Terribly sorry I interrupted. Continue, please. Oh, well, thank you. I will. Let's see. Where was... Oh, yes. At, um, at Christmas time, you know, a very old custom is to decorate the house with various yuletide ornaments. I know I do. You put up mistletoe, holly leaves, mistletoe, uh, pine boughs, uh, mistletoe, and more mistletoe. Miss Vague, you uh, seem to be stuck under the mistletoe. Well, can you think of a better place? <laughs> oh, 
very fond, Vera. Let's get down to earth again here. Oh, yes. One of our most charming traditions is the sharing of holiday beverages with Fred. Fred. I livened things up this year by using a 17th century Celtic recipe and making my Tom and Jerry's. Oh, and how were they? Pretty strong? Well, I'm not sure, but after three of them, Tom wasn't speaking to Jerry. (laughs) I think people would like to know whether Christmas customs have changed much. Uh, No, no. No, they haven't changed a bit. Well, now, Miss Vega, I think you're wrong. Things are really quite different from the days of our pilgrim fathers, for instance, when they had to tramp around for days hunting for a turkey. Uh, Mr. Amici, who did your marketing this year? (laughs) Oh, incidentally, Mr. Amici, the first turkey, this is very, very interesting, the first turkey was served for Christmas in 1524. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, potatoes weren't served till 1856, so you can see the first person to say, Pat, the potatoes had quite a weight. (laughs) I think... uh, I think that was the origin of the expression, cold turkey. But uh, anyway, uh, and, uh, thank you. Enough of the uh, current and past traditions. Would you care to hear about my holiday ideas for the post-war period? Yes, Miss Vague. What did you do after Lee surrendered? <laughs> oh, you dear boy. I hope you got a pin cushion for Christmas. Something to lay your little pin head on. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 I didn't mean that. Uh, though, oh, I knew there was something I wanted to ask your advice about. I forgot to get a present for my Uncle Filbert. Have you any last-minute suggestions? I was going to get him a pipe, but he has one already, an enormous one. Well, he might like to have a pouch. Oh, no, he's already got an enormous one. <laughs> oh, I see, but... Oh, I almost forgot something. I've got to run along, Mr. Meacham. I'm giving it a party at home this afternoon for 250 servicemen. It's going to be a very gala affair. Why, Miss Vague, that is wonderful. <laughs> 250. 250. Wow. How many girls have you invited? Girls? Girl. <laughs> oh, silly me. I knew I forgot something. <laughs> The Elgin Watch Company's third annual two-hour Christmas party for the men and women of our armed forces will continue after a brief pause for your station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. KQW San Jose, the Columbia station for San Francisco, Oakland, and the Bay Area. Company's third annual two-hour Christmas party for the men and women of our armed forces on duty at battle stations everywhere continues with warmest holiday greetings from Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, the Charioteers, an orchestra and chorus under the direction of Louis Silvers, and your host for the full two hours, Don Amici. Some of you may have been late in joining Elgin's third annual two-hour Christmas party. So I repeat to you, men and women of our armed forces, and to all of you at home, best wishes for the merriest Christmas possible. Our thoughts and prayers are with those men and women who are fighting today so that each of us may have the right to worship as he chooses, which, in the last analysis, is the right to celebrate the spirit of Christmas. A part of the Christmas spirit is a spirit of giving. 
And one of the artists who gives most lavishly of himself to our men and women in uniform is with us today. He's visited battle-weary GIs in England, North Africa, and many island outposts in the South Pacific. He's entertained at camps and hospitals throughout the country. And with all this, he still finds time to nourish radio listeners with his Tuesday evening, the evening omelet. I refer, of course, to the only man in the world who has to look up to look down his nose. Bob Hope. relatives down. <laughs> they throw in cigarettes and I thought I was working for nothing. <laughs> How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Christmas Present Hope telling all you jitterbugs to get one of those Elgins with that accurate tick-tocking and when you go to the Palladium, you'll be dancing with a dolly with a hole in her stocking. <laughs> That's the finish. <laughs> All right. Don't force a thing. There was a hole in the gag, too. <laughs> or, this is Bob Elgin Hope telling you to brush your teeth with you-know-what, and you'll have a face that won't stop a clock. <laughs> that satisfies my sponsor. Am I on next week's sponsor? Huh? <laughs> Christmas, Christmas morning in California. Outside, the sun was shining, while inside, we sat around the trees, stoking our smudge pot. <laughs> but I... I love the wonderful spirit of Christmas. People exchanging presents unselfishly with their dear friends and relatives. I lost $3.67 in the whole deal. And we had a white Christmas here in Hollywood. This morning, the president of the Chamber of Commerce ran up Hollywood Boulevard spraying talcum powder out of a flit gun. <laughs> Thank you, tourists. All you can hear... All you can hear on the radio this weekend is Bing singing White Christmas. He's the only man who can entertain and give frost warnings at the same time. Is done in the spirit of Christmas. If you get hit by a car while crossing the street, they send you home wrapped as a gift. <laughs> I just mailed some Christmas packages back east. Everybody else had to mail theirs be December the 10th, but I sent mine yesterday and they got there in plenty of time. Thanks, Eleanor. <laughs> and don't and don't think the manpower's power shortage didn't hit the Santa Claus situation this year. I saw one Santa Claus in a department store hitting a little boy, and I said, that's no way for Santa Claus to act. And Santa said, I can do anything I want. I'm this boy's mother. <laughs> You'll be dancing with a dolly with a hole in her stuff. I, uh, of course, the soldiers, of course, the soldiers love Christmas because during the holidays, the commanding officers choose certain guys and grant them furloughs. Choose certain guys and grant them furloughs. That's an army expression meaning eeny, meeny, miny, there ain't no mole. <laughs> Thank you, Defenders. And this, and this Christmas spirit of fellowship and goodwill has affected all the members of our armed forces. I even saw a sailor and a Marine shaking hands today. What a sight. You could hear the bones cracking for two dollars. <laughs> Let me finish for two blocks. That's the finish. 
My relatives had a swell time eating Christmas dinner today at my house. Boy, did they eat. They came in looking like Abba Costello. <laughs> what relatives? They eat like Winchell Talks. <laughs> what relatives? They eat like Winchell Talks. <laughs> oh, no. Just wanted to give it another chance before I buried it. Dancing with a dolly with a hole in his stuff. But there's a but there's a strong family but there's a strong family attachment between my relatives. They won't eat anything closer than the third cousin. But I received some nice presents. My brother my You get them later, enjoy them longer. Okay? <laughs> but, I, but I received some nice presents for, for Christmas. I got a dandy. My brother sent me a check for $100. All I have to do is sign it. <laughs> and you should have seen us. <laughs> the choir's on my side, too. And you should have seen the huge present that my sponsor sent out by Special Air Express. He really shouldn't have done it after all. What if it had gone off in the airplane? And, uh... <laughs> Paramount. Paramount was swell. They gave me, Crosby, and Dorothy Lamour a dresser set. Dorothy got the mirror, Crosby got the comb, and they gave me the brush. <laughs> I understand. I understand Sinatra's new sponsor gave him a sensible and timely present. It's a microphone that'll hold on to him. <laughs> I should have opened with you, you doll. <laughs> Crosby and Sinatra went around singing Christmas carols under windows, windows together, and they had special arrangements. After every chorus, they... Course... <laughs> of course, I know what Bing wanted most for Christmas, but where can you get a decent girdle that size? And for Christmas presents, Cros Crosby tried to buy some stockings that wouldn't run. The sales girl laughed and said, we haven't any to fit your horses. <laughs> and you know, they're closing every racetrack in the country on January the 3rd for a year. That's to give all of Crosby's horses a chance to come in. get one wonderful Christmas card from Dorothy Lamour with a picture of her in a sarong on it. What a picture. Well, you know how George Washington looked straight ahead on a two-cent stamp? Well, in this envelope, he kept peeking over his shoulder. <laughs> but there's somebody peeking over my shoulder, and it's the outstanding singer of the present day. It says here, Mr. Bing Crosby. Please don't fence me. Just turn me 
Let me straddle my old saddle underneath the western sky. On my cayuse, let me wander over yonder till I see the mountains rise. I want to ride to the river where the west commences and gaze at the moon till I lose my senses. It hobbles and I can't stand fences. Don't fence me. Dancing with a dolly with a hole in his uh-huh. <laughs> That was wonderful. Maybe I'm just full of the old holiday spirit, but you know, that didn't sound bad at all for Thank a man you. your age. <laughs> you still considered yourself a boy when you were my age. <laughs> at least I never played Ring Around the Rosie with Cleopatra. <laughs> this is hardly the place. Hardly the time or place to discuss what you played with Cleopatra. Broadway Rose writing for him now. <laughs> Say, Tallow, Tallow, let's, let's, yes, mix, let's, yes. let's mix the needles. Huh? Noodle I guess nose. so, hmm? I guess so. After all, okay, Christmas Dome, is home. Come in. You know, I'm doing a double act with Sinatra next year. You are, really? Yes, we're going You're out not. to play some of the camps, sing no. some songs, sing no. duets, fine, double act. Well, I think it's nice to have a fellow from each generation. What are you, uh... <laughs> what are you going to What'd you say? You're going to do a double act yeah. with old uh, No Blood, huh? Well, yeah. tell me, uh, it'll be a nice act. No blood and no hair. I think it'll be... What are you going to call the act? You just told me. <laughs> See, I'm on sorry, Christmas, you still No, I'm talking. sorry. I forgot you had to answer something like that. It's all right. Say, uh... <laughs> no kidding. Say blub, no kidding. But I want to tell Let's you... Let's just be nice. Christmas yes, only, indeed, only with us. Only I don't with think us you once should knock Sinatra. No, Because sir, I want to tell you, singers like Sinatra come once in a lifetime. That's right. Why did he have to come in my lifetime? 
Now, now, now anyone, go ahead. I'll talk, I'll talk That's to you. That's a yak of pizza. <laughs> you know what they say about him being weak and gone? We're going to look at the paper once in a while. Aren't we? <laughs> what time are we off the air? How many minutes do you need, Dad? <laughs> You know what they say about him being weak and gaunt and emaciated? That's yes. not true. He's a powerful boy. He's a powerful boy. He's loaded. I saw him playing with a yo-yo one day, and the yo-yo was standing still when Frankie was going out. Oh, <laughs> oh that's a funny joke. I, I have. I even liked it on my show. <laughs> I, only, I only have happy holiday thoughts about Frankie. You have really. Yes. Around Christmas tide, I, I mellow, I spread out, I mix, really I do. I find I, I still believe there's a Santa Claus. Well, you should, getting picture work for those ears. <laughs> What time are you coming in for a landing, old man? <laughs> flaps down. Kid born with the flaps down. Will go. Looks like a loving cup with skin. Go. <laughs> You're so bitter, really, you I'm are. I'm not bitter at all. Why don't you pull in your punch and try to enter to the spirit of the day? Oh. Go ahead. Where's that? Where's that? <laughs> Is that in here? Yes. Where? Yeah, I don't see that. Oh, yes, here's something jolly through here. Let's go into it. I'll bet we had people listening up to here, huh? Here's the... Wait till I give you my... Wait till I give you my answer. It says here... I think Buller will walk here after this. <laughs> did you ask Santa Claus for something good at Santa? Santa? Certainly did. This very morning I dressed up like Santa. Gave the kids a great kick when I put a pillow in my pants. Well, Christmas over now. Take it out, brother. <laughs> Say, old folks, come yeah. here. Oh. <laughs> I did think... you call me Fuzzridge? <laughs> I suspect it's you that's been putting ideas in my my sprouts noggins. You mean they didn't go for your story about Santa Claus being drafted, huh? <laughs> They don't take to Christmas customs the way they used to. You mean they didn't even hang up their stockings? No stockings. No stockings? Bobby socks. Uh... <laughs> well, let Frankie have his Bobby sock fans. You, you still know. have the corset crowd. Wait. But tell me, knucklehead, isn't it true that... So that so... Isn't it true that Sinatra is your son? That's a lie, hose nose, and I can prove it. <laughs> I can prove it. What is it? Easily, I can prove it easily. Would any How? son treat his father this way, really? Oh, that must have been quite a blow to you, that closing of all the racetracks, huh, Bing? It's going to set you back six or seven programs, too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're right, it's going to set you back. It's going to give you a lot more work over the glue factory, though. I know. <laughs> no, really, seriously, I think I'll give up racing. You are, really? Mm-hmm. Those nags finally sold you on their way of living, huh? <laughs> no, seriously, I I've given up the horses. Time cutting up the blankets, did you? <laughs> Are you inferring a fester head that I? Got my clothes from the Salvation Army? Oh, huh? oh you can't say that! <laughs> I, I know you can. <laughs> Took my line. I had it in my. <laughs> Hoover on the phone. I tell what I do. I'll what? get the top. It's wonderful top. what they're making Tell out of Bull Durham sacks, isn't it? 
Did I take your line? Yes, you did. I tell you what I tell you. can have it. If that's all you can get with it, okay. I'll tell the top sergeant to punch your TS card the next time he comes. <laughs> He's so technical now that he's in the wax, isn't he? <laughs> Wonderful. Look, despite your added, added tongue and your chronic <laughs> irascibility, I've been telling... Oh! I... Say that on the radio. Yeah. Now you <laughs> Look, right. Rab, I've told every bun and bun... ...your latest picture is. You really think my picture is educational? Well, it must be. I heard the producer himself say, well, that one teaches me a lesson. <laughs> just so happens, Double Dome, that people like... That people like the preview so well I was offered... That people like the preview so well I was offered a lead in the Doe Girls. Oh, good part for you, too, with that bread basket. Fine. Look who's talking. Why, you can't stand around on street corners at Christmas time without people trying to throw pennies in your pot. Oh. Cruel. You're so cruel. You're so bitter. I have a good notion not to give you what I was going to give you. You mean you really kept me in mind this year? Oh, may we? Certainly. I said to myself, nothing is too good for hope. So what did you what did you get? Nothing. My usual present, huh? I might have known. Once a Crosby, always a Crosby. Don't say that. That's not fair to my family. After all, this morning my brother Everett handed me a nice fat check. You mean you'd forgotten to endorse it? Just pull him, pull him. Yes, sir. I had that there. my monologue. I forgot yeah. that joke. <laughs> you gotta get the same writer working on both spots. Go ahead. <laughs> you just pull a monkey's eyes, aren't you? Yes, sir, boy. And just to show you it's all in fun, come have Christmas dinner with my house, Bing. I'll never forget the year I did that. Believe me, Bent Beak, you carry your loyalty to your sponsor much too far. Well, how do you mean? Where else do the guests have to squeeze dressing out of a tube? <laughs> the idea of watching you strain the gravy through a piece of Swiss cheese. That's enough, turret tummy. Enough. Oh. Look, high head. What the... <laughs> oh, what a... You got the new script. Uh, that says here, pretzel ears. Pretzel ears. You're going to say yeah. that. Yeah. Ears and everything. Well, who else has to wear his hat side saddle? <laughs> who else has to put his nose up in curl papers? <laughs> Is that so? I'll have you know there's a deal on to trade me for Van Johnson. And do you know who started it? Your wife. Uh... Please. I'll tell you when. <laughs> what a cad you are, agate head. And by the way, where do you think you're getting singing that white Christmas all the time? One warm day and what have you got? Amazing. What'd you do, bring the craft choir over here? <laughs> the biggest job. Yeah, singing that white Christmas all the time. One warm day and what have you got? Slush. <laughs> but seriously, Bing, what? all year we've been knocking each other and cutting each other up. Yeah. Do you know I have a feeling it's going to be different in 1945? Want to bet? <laughs> Figure out some reasonable price on that whilst the charioteers and I fill in with a little bit of... Call me, I'll be in the gloom. Yes, leave a call. <laughs> what time is it? What time is it? What day is it? Go ahead, fellas.
with the girl I left behind me. Anybody know the next line? Please remind me. <laughs> Down on moonlight bay. Fits, it fits. You need me? Sailing along, we were sailing along on Moonlight Bay. On Moonlight Bay, you could hear the voices singing Talk to me. You have stolen my heart. You have stolen my heart. Now don't go away. Now don't go away. As we sang love's old sweet song on Sailing along, sailing along on Moonlight Bay. On Moonlight Bay, you could hear the voice. They seem to say, You have stolen my heart. Dropping your bombs on the target is not the whole job. There's the job of getting back, back home to your carrier. 
And that's been moving, moving fast while you've been flying. Where will she be when you can reach her? Well, you tell by navigation, and time is the essence of your calculation. A remarkable instrument for telling what day it is now on your side of the international date line. What time it is now. How many minutes have elapsed since you took off. How much longer your gas supply will last. A precision instrument that's a calendar, a chronograph, and an elapsed time clock all in one is on the instrument panel of many of our Navy's fighter planes. Elgin is making them. Making also pocket chronographs, special timers, service watches of many types, and other special precision instruments and timing devices for every branch of the service. The Elgin Watch Company's research, Elgin's equipment, the skill of Elgin master craftsmen, all are devoted to the winning of the war. And so they will be until the war is won. Frankly, there are very few Elgin watches for civilians. But hold fast to your desire for one of these fine American-made timepieces. When they come, they'll be beautiful. And you'll be glad you waited... Wait. Each year on Elgin's Christmas tribute to our uniformed forces, Mr. Potter, president of the Elgin Watch Company, sends a message of hope and cheer to the men and women in the service of their country. This year, an editorial written by Arthur Robinson in a California country newspaper came to Mr. Potter's attention, and he feels that the editorial says everything that is in his heart and that he would like to say. So he's asked me to read it to you. Here it is. Mr. Robinson begins by saying... From the towns and townships and yet sparser settlements of the five road districts of our county, more than 600 of our lads, out of a total population of only 6,000, have gone off to war. We are drawn together in an intimate, countrywide way of life. A telegram from the War Department to the parents of one of our boys becomes, in a sense, a telegram to all of us. In an inventive but happier sense, the following letter, although addressed to a fellow named Joe is for all our kids who are putting their lives on the line for us. Dear Joe, it was October when this was written, and now, where you are, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas, Joe. Merry Christmas. That was the whole county talking, Joe, not just one person. But there's more to the county than your family and all your friends. There's old Butte squinting down on the lesser mountains, as if he were nature's own top sergeant. Old Butte says Merry Christmas, too. All the way from Kit Carson Pass to Mokalumna Hill, the creeks are rising. Sutter Creek, Indian Creek, Dead Man Flat, where the trout were plenty. There just isn't any sweeter music than the sounds the old babblers make. And it's a Christmas carol they're singing for you, Joe, in October. You get the point. You got a lot of pals here, and they've all got voices, individually and conglomerately. It's queer writing a letter like this in October. It will move through space and time. And when you get it, time will have meaning in still other directions. But Christmas Eve, the confusions of space and time will cease absolutely. We shall all face the East, you where you are and we here, and we shall watch and wait for the first star to shine through the dusk. And in the miraculous moment of its appearance... We shall all be together again. Joe, Merry Christmas. Okay, this letter starts moving, and it's November 19th. 
Exactly 81 years ago today, a tall, gaunt, bearded man, sorrow-struck and infinitely compassionate, stood on a hill in a little town in Pennsylvania and made a two-minute speech. It is for us, the living, rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us. Do you feel bitter enough about it today, Joe, to say that generation after generation has let Lincoln down? Okay. Then this letter moves on and on, and it's Thanksgiving. Of course, we've got much to be thankful for. War makes you realize that this country was hard-born. And you think of other fellows who went to war and fought at Valley Forge and at Gettysburg and maybe in the last war. And all the time, strangely, the country becomes a better place to, place to live in. And after this war, it will be better than ever. A country in which nobody takes advantage of anybody and everybody has a decent standard of living. Doesn't that just about say everything? Christmas has got to be more than a pleasantly vague feeling. Christmases must mean specific things in terms of the man whose birthday we celebrate. So, now it's Christmas. Where you are and our minds give way to our hearts. You're facing the east waiting for the first star to appear in the sky. And so are we. There it is, Joe. There it is. Every one of us is thinking about you at this instant. Merry Christmas, Joe. And God keep you and bless you. I'm sure, Don, that nothing could be more welcome to men sweating it out in the cold of a European winter or shivering with the chills that follow jungle fever than such words as you've just read. Bob Hope's told me, and I've seen for myself, that many of our men have misgivings about us here at home. Are we keeping it the way they want it to be when they come back? The way they want it to be is summed up in a song that they ask for most. It's not only snow and mistletoe they're dreaming of, it's Fourth of July picnics and St. Patrick's Day parades. The big game on Thanksgiving Day, apple apple pie and sorghum on hot cakes, a red silo in the Empire State Building. That's what the men offshore sum up in the words. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas with every Christmas card I write. May your day be merry and 
saying it has truly been a pleasure to be with all of you this Christmas day. May the star that shone on Bethlehem shed its beneficent light on all of you during the coming year, and in ever-growing intensity in the great future of peace. Herod and all his might could not distinguish that light. It will continue to flood the world long after the defeat of our enemies. For none can still the voice of those who sing God in the highest and on earth peace to men of goodwill. To you men and women who are winning that inevitable peace, good luck and safe return, and may God be with you always. possible for the Elgin Watts Company of Elgin, Illinois, to bring you this third annual two-hour Christmas party for the men and women of our armed forces and our allies throughout the world. The Elgin Watts Company wishes to thank Lever Brothers, makers of Lux and Swan Soap, for the appearance of Louis Silvers and George Burns and Gracie Allen. The Pepsodon Company for the appearance of Bob Hope and Vera Bay. Jenny Sims appeared through the courtesy of the makers of Philip Morris Cigarettes and Metro Golden Mare, producers of 30 Seconds Over Tokyo. 
Donna Michi can currently be seen in the United Artists picture, Guest Wife. We want Cheese Company for the appearance of Bing Crosby, the Charioteers, and myself. I'm Ken Carpenter. This entire broadcast was written under the supervision of Carol Carroll and was produced and directed by Anthony Stanford. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. AQW San Jose, the Columbia station for San Francisco, Oakland, and the Bay Area.